Now, because I said Scrum is a framework, like scaffolding, you can put anything inside of the framework. You can take design thinking and put it inside the Scrum framework and then run that product development or that design iteration through the Scrum framework and you'll have a much faster outcome, which still allows for all the people involved to be highly creative. From SSR Studios, it's Tech Vitals, a show about emerging technologies and innovations. We will take a deeper dive at how things like AI, VR, and sensor technologies are changing how we live and work. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Hilliard. And I'm your other host, Debbie Gregory. We are searching for cutting edge people using technology to solve cutting edge problems. Each episode, we will be interviewing amazing thought leaders that are navigating the uncharted waters of emerging technology. So have you heard the terms lean or scrum and questioned just how they correlate to the AEC industry? Today's guest is a recognized lean and scrum champion. Felipe Engineer Manriquez is a registered Scrum Trainer, RST, a registered Scrum Master, RSM, a registered Product Owner, RPO, and a registered Scrum at Scale Practitioner, RS, at SP. The Lean Construction Institute, LCI, awarded him the Chairman's Award for his contributions to the industry. He is an author, an international keynote speaker, business leader, podcast host, and proven entrepreneur in the construction industry. Felipe has been involved in million to billion dollar size projects across the world implementing lean and agile practices. He is also pioneering the use of Scrum in design and construction. He teaches people how to be better at what they do through blogging, coaching, live streaming, and via his new book, Construction Scrum. Felipe leads the Lean Construction Program as the National Director at McCarthy Buildings Company, INC. Just from a general edification standpoint on the terms Scrum and Lean, a lot of our audience has probably heard those terms, but never really gone to the Webster and looked up a definition of that. Could you give us a Felipe framed description of that? Yeah, you got it. So let's start with Lean. So if you're thinking that it's an acronym, you need to keep thinking. It does not stand for less employees are needed. It's actually a word that was coined by a gentleman named John Krafzik, who was doing research on companies in Japan, working with people like John Shook and Jim Womack. He was actually on an MIT research team. This is more history than people probably wanted. And they were just trying to describe like what is going on with these organizations, primarily in Japan, automobile assembly, or we just call automobile manufacturing here in the U S and they just, they didn't want to call it the Toyota way because it was just like too much of a tipping the hat to one company, even though Toyota is awesome. And it's, it's based on this idea that they were doing exactly what they needed at exactly the right time without any waste. So no extra stuff. So the word lean was kicked around and they, they all hated it and there's been stuff written about it. Uh, but it was unfortunately, it was the best term at the time. And uh, that's lean is really about maximizing value for the customer and not being wasteful in the process. A lot of people just think immediately it's doing more with less. And it's so much more than that. That is only but one part of it. It's bringing the customer into your workflow and any type of business that you have, whether you're in a service business like we are in construction, or if you're in a manufacturing business, a product business, like, you know, selling any type of products that you can get, whether it be commercial, industrial, or otherwise. And it's just bringing the customer into your loop. 
Like, isn't that sound like a great idea? Let's consider how the customer is actually going to use this product or service. And then, so we just go in that intention. Now, Zach and Debbie, that's not the way that normal business operates in the United States. Sometimes we like to just make things and then think we'll find people for these things that we make or these services we have. And we don't go with an experimental mindset. And so that's, that's lean. And I always tell people like in my experience, I've studied this for over a decade. Lean is just synonymous with learning. When you think about everything I just said and you substitute the word learning, it still works. It works. And that's really what it boils down to. So you want to have a learning mindset, you will have a lean mindset. And as far as Scrum, Scrum is uh, was a phrase that was coined in a research paper by Takayuchi and Anaka. Look at all this like homework you're getting. And I didn't even know Zach was going to ask me this question, Debbie, before just now. I saw it at the same time you did almost. But uh, Nanaka and Takayuchi were writing a paper that got published in the Harvard Business Review. They were studying companies uh, primarily in Japan. And they found that a, a handful of companies really stood out as outliers amongst uh, you know just the average how things are going. And in these companies that really stood out for exceptional results, they found that they were acting as one single organization, all moving in one direction. From the person that just got hired all the way to the CEO, they're moving in one direction. And they said, the only place I've ever seen this ever before is in sports. And the sport was rugby. And in rugby, when they put the ball back in play, it looks like a football, but it's a little bit overinflated. Uh, I don't want to even make a NFL football reference to that, but you know, you know, fans that somebody has messed with the ball and uh, we're not going to name that team's name right now, but in scrum, the rugby ball is different. It's similar to football, way less padding and arguably a lot more action. (laughs) When the team moves all in one direction, putting the ball back in play, they're moving in what's called a scrum. And that's where this methodology got its name. So scrum is a lightweight framework for solving complex problems, delivering product and services at the highest possible value. And that's what it is. It's, I tell people it's like scaffolding. In building in the building ways, we use scaffolding to construct the building. We modify it to suit our needs. And then we change it and take it down when the project's over. And so Scrum eventually ends when your team delivers its project, as we so often do in design construction, that team disbands, the Scrum is over, and we move on to something else. And we do the same exact thing in design and construction, whether it be teams in architecture or engineering, or teams already in flight, building something in the dirt and better, and civil as well. When you say that it stops once the scaffolding comes down, that is different from lean, though, because lean is a continuous process improvement. Is that correct? Is that a differentiation between the two? Well, it's only describing Scrum a cycle of it. So, like, if we're going to organize and do a project, like if the three of us were going to do a project together, like a podcast, we might Scrum that. But when the show is over and published and people listen to it, we get the feedback, that podcast, that show is over. Now, the learning cycle for continuous improvement goes on. And in Scrum, there are, it's, in, it's built upon the foundation of lean first. We, Jeff Sutherland, who's the co-creator of Scrum, Ken Schwaber is the other co-creator of Scrum. They said, even way back in the 1990s when this first came out, that this is going to have its foundation in lean first. And it's built upon some of the work done by Taichi Ono and Shigeo Shingo 
Um, they were given credit for developing the Toyota production system, which is an amazing system that's borrowed from all over the place. Even in construction, we see it. Lean construction is based on some of those same principles as well. Continuous improvement, respect for people, two foundational things. And Scrum has those same two foundational elements inside of it as well. And so the team, just the cycle of it ends, but the learning inside of you goes with you to the next one. And so like I myself, like today, I'm involved in over 10 different scrums, 10 different teams or more at any given time, uh, ranging from a company corporate initiatives all the way to, you know, just some facet of project management on a construction project site or some part of design as we're getting ready to shift out of like maybe something from uh, concept design to actual detail design. Yeah, when when you're talking about 10 different, you know, active scrums at the same time. And and the next question I had teed up was if you could share some examples of emerging technologies that exemplify scrum or lean values, just thinking there's probably technology there in itself of like how each of those 10 scrums operate and what, what are the resources, I guess, that, that get you, uh, they get the job done. So I don't know if there's examples there that. Yeah, there absolutely are examples. So yeah, technology definitely enables things. And my mentor, Jeff Sutherland said, Felipe, if you're going to get good at anything, you need to start automating the things that don't require your creativity. So definitely use technology to help you do that. And then that way you're freed up to do more of the more creative stuff. So you got to sharing the wins as part of, you know, how we deploy these types of lean techniques and methodologies, frameworks, and principles, we share stories about how people, you know, transform and they increase their commitment to respect for people or how they made continuous improvement part of their everyday work, because it's not, it's not required. You don't have to actually make how you work better every day. It's optional. I know it's so crazy. Like, why would it, why would it not be? But it is, it's optional. You can get by with just like, doing the minimum. You absolutely can, but it, I would argue it's not as much fun. And so like in those teams, we, we do some onboarding. So we show people like in the examples where we're operating the scrum teams, like we say, here's how the scrum framework actually works. These are the three roles. These are the five meetings. These are the three artifacts or the things you can see, touch and feel and experience. And then we use the framework to make work visible And so the team can see and report out on what they're doing. What are their experiments showing? Where are they needing help? Where are they constrained? Where are the roadblocks? And then the team helps each other. It's amazing. Because you bring together all these people with all this experience, like I don't have to be the one that solves every problem. I actually rarely solve all the problems. It's rare. Sometimes I have a great idea, but often there are people on the team that have been through this before, have the right experience, and then they speak up and share or partner with their with somebody who's struggling and then they can quickly move through and it doesn't make me the bottleneck because there's only one of me, but on the team, Zach, if, if we have a 10 person team and arguably a four person, there's psychology and there's metrics on, on this, but a four person team is going to be even faster than a 10 person team. But let's just stick with the 10 for now. Cause that's a pretty normal size in construction project teams. If you have a 10 person team, you know, somebody on that team has seen that problem before, or at least, can phone a friend and they can solve that very quickly. And that doesn't make one person the bottleneck to all solutions, which is amazing. That's an enabler of work, which actually it's a positive enabler, which allows the whole team to get even faster, quicker and learn 
better together. So, oh, technology parts. Let me let me share some technology. So when COVID hit, we uh, we had to go towards uh, collaboration technology because a lot of projects had to change how they showed up and they had to go to hybrid. Even in construction where you physically have to be there to put work in place, we still had to create uh, safety measures and get the uh, you know distancing protocols in place. And then on the project teams where we had trailers of a certain size, you couldn't have the same number of people, the same number of human density in the same space. So we had to use collaborative methods. So we use things like Microsoft Teams. We use Zoom. At one time, we were using uh, Blue Jeans for meetings. And I think we experimented with some other things in the past as well. But we went to going, so we had to still talk to each other. And one of the cool things that came out of the pandemic is cameras on. Like you're listening to this and I can actually see, I can see Zach and Debbie right now, but so we used more video technology to help our teams when they went hybrid and remote. And we actually had people even use like a, a gimbal. If you know what a gimbal is, it to hold, stabilize your iPhone camera. And we did some pull planning meetings or last planner system production controls meetings. That's the, that's the fancy full name of it. And that way they can hold the iPhone and not feel like you're in Blair Witch Project Part 2 and actually stable, stabilize the camera. And so people could see faces, they could see sticky notes, they could see what people had written down, and they can still have these very highly collaborative meetings with people being remote. So we could have very few people together so we could be safe with masks and then have people calling in from wherever they are, most likely at home, and then still be able to collaborate at a very high level. In design, we saw this, like we have teams right now, even two years in, that are still operating hybrid, even though they could be back together. They found so many efficiencies from being hybrid and not having to waste time commuting, especially when traveling across states like Texas or California, which are massive in size. Like if I want to get across California, I don't know if you know this, but it could take more than 12 hours. And that's without traffic. And the same is true in Texas. Those are very large states and they, it takes time to get across. So with technology, like those meeting, and you can get a lot more efficiency. Also, some of these same platforms like Microsoft Teams, some people started using an application that's built into Microsoft Office 365 called uh, Planner, which is like a task management-based solution, which has some elements of Scrum. Like you can use a lightweight Scrum framework, and if you're a little more sophisticated, you can go full Scrum in Microsoft Planner. Uh, some teams elected to use Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O, for task management. Uh, other teams experimented with a program called Mondays. Uh, some teams went to digital pull planning, uh, such as V Planner. That's a lowercase V, capital P Planner. Uh, other teams used touchplan.io. They have a digital pull planning solution. And there was a couple others that we evaluated and looked at uh, throughout the course of the pandemic. And also other teams used even like more closer to just whiteboards like uh, Mural, M-U-R-A-L, and its competitor that's even older, Miro, M-I-R-O. They sound so similar, and I think Mural did that on purpose, but uh, <laughs> they've got good applications and different teams have preferences for using one or the other. But essentially, you just create a whiteboard space where people can make problems transparent, visible, and then we can look at things together instead of looking at each other, which is kind of weird, but it's totally different to look at a problem that you can draw and explain 
when it's in front of you and you can stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder with somebody and look at it. As Joe Damaruno says, like we can see the problem in front of us and you're no longer seeing the problem in my face. Could you differentiate just like the terms I've, I'm familiar with more the terms of co-design and design thinking, which is also problem solving. They're also problem solving tools. So how can you differentiate that from scrum? Yeah. Scrum is a, it's really a project management framework that allows teams to have these enabling constraints so they can work together in a highly collaborative way and, and it actually sets you up to be a high performing team when it's done right. Whereas design thinking is more of an approach. It's not a framework. It's really just an approach. And the difference, I mean, one of the big differences is that Scrum has what are these things called events or meetings, such as the daily Scrum or what we call in lean circles, the daily huddle. And you don't have that in design thinking because design thinking, it's got a different, uh, you know, a different focus and product development is where we see more like design thinking show up. And that's because you've got, uh, you've got people, very specialized people working to solve a specific issue. Now, because I said Scrum is a framework like scaffolding, you can put anything inside of the framework. You can take design thinking and put it inside the Scrum framework and then run that product development or that design iteration through the Scrum framework, and you'll have a much faster outcome, which still allows for all the people involved to be highly creative. Like one of the things that Scrum is just so different from traditional project management is that you don't start with necessarily like making commitments to dates. You start with like seeing right-sized work that's small enough that you're getting close to one-piece flow or increments of work that you can see done with progress daily. And then from there, a decently trained scrum master can make predictions about time and you can, you can proxy from how the team works when they'll actually finish. And so you never have to be on top of people with like, Hey, hit this date. And, and that takes, that allows like the creative people to be more in their realm and less focused on dates or having the, the side effect of lower, lowering morale when dates are missed. And you're just being honest about what is this design process and this, because a lot of people, especially in the construction industry, like is all the two of you know very well, they'll tell you the, as soon as you ask for a date, the, one of the first things a designer is going to remind you is that design is an iterative process. And that's just code for, I don't want to commit to a date because I need to first understand this thing holistically before I can break it down. And then understanding it holistically is hard to actually put a date to. I've heard some architects talk about um, this elements of a wall a plaster wall that's got some like uh, dimensions in and out that they didn't even know what that was going to be until they were sitting in their garden, drinking lemonade on a Sunday morning and some bee flew by and then they just got inspired. And so like the design just came to them in seconds, but it took like three months of sitting in the garden before that inspiration came. Like, how could you quantify that three months time? And that, so that's some of the things that you'll hear. So don't press, I always say like, don't press people to be using my scrum facilitation methods that I've been practicing for a long time. It's better to ask people like, what do you need so that you can have that moment in the garden? As we build the digital transformation of Industry 4.0, get connected with our innovative team. 
If this conversation has left you inspired, curious, or just wanting to hear more about emerging technology, there are a couple ways you can join us. We welcome you to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. For more resources about today's content, please check out the episode show notes or drop us an email, techvitals at ssr-inc.com. Culture matters. Our mission is to make a positive difference for our clients, colleagues, and communities. See our mission in action on your favorite social platform. On Instagram, at SmithSeckmanReed. On Twitter, at SSR underscore INC. On LinkedIn, at SSR. And on Facebook, at SmithSeckmanReed. This podcast would not be possible without our incredibly talented team of experts our senior communications associate, Lauren Dean, and the exceptional support staff at SSR HQ located in Nashville, Tennessee. 